Hi, I'm Jacob. And I'm Jessica. Welcome to Clue Done It, the podcast where we make wild guesses about fake TV crimes. Without any clues, context, or apparently accuracy. All right, let's find out. Who was right. Who was wrong. And who is dead. I think we need to amend our intro for this episode to be who is right, who is wrong, and who thinks this is a disaster of a Shakespearean play. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if that's not the episode that we're going to be watching to clarify what... <laughs> well, no, that is, that is the episode. Okay, so what episode are we? are doing Shakespeare and Hathaway. What are we yes, doing? Yes, we're doing season one, episode seven, and it is called The Fairest Show Means Most Deceit. Okay, so the fair show means most deceit is a quote from Pericles, Prince of Tyre, a Shakespearean play, kind of a bridge between like his earlier tragedies like Othello and Macbeth and those very doom and gloom and dour things mm-hmm. to his later, maybe not necessarily comedies. Well, they're comedies. Everybody doesn't die at the end, so they're comedies. Yeah. But like the journey plays of redemption where you get into like... Uh, like you get into Winter's Tale, you get into The Tempest, you get yeah. into these pe- people going on journeys, coming back and having learned something. Mm. So Pericles is kind of the first one to that. And by all accounts, it's a bit of a mess. That, yeah, so, I haven't so, read it. Th- this but... is the thing. Like, I don't know that I, I don't think I've read it. I've certainly never seen it. Have you ever even seen it? I think that I have, but I'm not 100% sure. This is the thing. It does not get produced a lot. Pericles, and don't get me wrong, again, as we, as we, the the word we learned last week was resonance. These are just shows that have <laughs> resonance with the Shakespeare and Hathaway episodes. Yeah. So there's that. But what I will say, like, I was, I was trying to find some resonance in this because I'm not familiar with this at all. And I came across this 2016 uh, New Yorker article written by Cynthia Zarin. She was interviewing Trevor Nunn. You, you know Trevor Nunn. Yeah. Very famous, famous theater director. director. Yes. Yeah. Like not like directed Cats, directed Les Mis, <laughs> and many, many other things. Was even for like close to 20 years from 1968 to 1986, he was artistic director at the Royal Shakespeare Theater. Like at the RSC, yes. I'm sorry, Royal Shakespeare Company, not theater. Pillory me later. Anyways, so like 20 years, he was artistic director of the RSC. And then another 30 years after that, 2016, is when he's talking to this writer in The New Yorker, Trevor Nunn. 50 years of a career, never once directed Pericles. Oh my gosh. Until him. So like, yes, it's a mess of a play. This is, this is one of, this is how Cynthia Zarin in this article summarizes the play. Pericles falls in love with a princess and then, by correctly guessing the answer to a riddle, discovers that she's ensnared in an incestuous relationship with her tyrannical father, the king, who threatens to kill him. Oh. Pericles flees for his life, marries Thasia, am I saying this right? I'm not sure. Thasia, Mm -hmm. the daughter of King Simonides, and has a daughter, Marina. And then he loses them both in in a storm at sea when he's traveling to home, endures multiple calamities, and then is eventually reunited with his family. So that's that's the play. But this is where it gets this is where it gets to be a lot of fun. One, I am not a big believer. Like, look, Shakespeare wrote Shakespeare. Okay, I am not a believer that Kit Marlowe wrote Shakespeare. Now, have, or the Earl of Essex, or the Earl of Essex, or whoever else you want to try it out there. But apparently, there is really good evidence that Shakespeare did write this play with somebody. What's what's the gentleman's name? Pamphleteer and whoremonger George Wilkins. Okay. Yeah. Owned a pub, published pamphlets, and was apparently a bit of a just, you know, pimp 
<laughs> and this is a great quote from Zarin. Wilkins may have written the first two acts and then Shakespeare wrote the third. This theory is based on the idea that the first two acts are so bad that Shakespeare couldn't have written them. <laughs> Which just, I love that. I love that. Can you just imagine like, the picture that this guy is like, I wrote this play. I just, I need you to finish it, man. I just need you. I just need you to finish I, it. I just, it's my life work. I, I've, I've written, but it's, I've only he, got the, he's like, he's writing like, trying to be like Tom Clancy and he's got like this military genius, like for, I mean, he thinks he's like military. He thinks he, yeah. Well, no. <laughs> and he gives it to Shakespeare and Shakespeare's like, I need okay. the money yeah, to put this Yeah, sure, on. fine. <laughs> but you're not too far wrong because apparently like a couple years after the play debuted, like Willikins did release a novel based on the same story with more stuff that he had written. Oh, my goodness. So you're not too far wrong. Oh, my goodness. But nobody likes this play. <laughs> nobody likes this play. It was nearly, like, it nearly fell out of use until, like, the mid-1800s when Samuel Phelps, Samuel Phelps in 1854, pretty much brought it back into public consciousness when he staged it so that there was a ship actually on stage with, like, this panorama of fabric behind them to make it look like the ship was moving. So, yeah, this play, long forgotten. So... Yeah, there's just going to be a bunch of resonance on this. I will I will end with one final thing. The dramaturg for Trevor Nunn's performance just says, this is a great quote, it is essential to see that the play is a mess. <laughs> it is essential. It is essential <laughs> to see. As you walk in, like, can you, there's a scrim that comes down and in <laughs> block lettering, it is essential that Ariel. we all yes. <laughs> papyrus. No, no, no. It's got to be in papyrus. You, oh. If you're doing this, it needs to be in papyrus. No, this I'm play not... is a mess. Oh, yeah. We can see. We can tell by the font. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to how much fun Shakespeare and Hathaway can have with all of this yeah. ridiculousness. Yeah. What's going to resonate? What are we going to see? So what, so what is the, what is this? That is the story of Pericles. Yeah. What is the story of this episode? Well, okay. I found two log lines. One of them is on IMDb. One of them was on is the this a, is this Is this an IMDb essay log line? No, well, it is a little long. It's, okay. it's one of those plot ones, but it doesn't give it away. There is no pre-cheating. Mm, so it's you say just has some details. Okay. Uh, so we we'll read that one first. Sure. Okay. So I'm putting Frank, my fingers in my ear so I don't actually get spoiled uh, for. This. <laughs> sure. Then only me and the guests will know. Uh, so Frank is skeptical when an American Martin Mariner shows up claiming to be his uncle. Meanwhile, Frank and Luella are asked by shop owners Diana and Leon to prove that their cash-strapped employee Lola is faking an injury claim against them. Then Diana is murdered, and Martin is a prime suspect. Oh, no. In proving his innocence, Frank also gets to clear up another mystery. Okay. Okay, and so the other logline, which is from the BBC, says... A workplace compensation claim is not as straightforward as it seems, and Frank is skeptical when a long-lost relative tracks him down. Maybe we just stick with the BBC <laughs> from here on out. Maybe we don't. Maybe we don't even need to go to the IMDb. Okay. Well, I mean, it is pretty tight uh, logline. It was pretty. It was. It was pretty. It was vague and like it. It just hit every twist and turn. But we know there is a murder there is from a, yeah. the IMDb one, which is why I kept reading it. So 
Got it. That's how that happened. And I was trolling the internet for more pictures, which is how I ended up on the BBC site. Uh, well, thank you, BBC. I appreciate that. Yes, thank you, you, BBC. You did a very good job, even though Pericles is a mess. <laughs> BBC, good job. BBC, good job. I, I, that's my song. Yeah, it's a good song. Uh, yeah, so this episode We're finally has... now with ASCAP. Nobody, I would love to hear somebody sample that, so go for it. Where it's Creative Commons. We're, we're, I take that back. We're not going to file it with ASCAP. Creative Commons, let's see what remixes we can get out yeah, of that song. Yeah, for sure. I have to say, I really enjoy the How Did This Get Made podcast and all of the all cool their, songs that right? they have. Oh, the Second Opinion song, my favorite of all times. Uh, love it. Yeah. Okay. So in this show, this episode that we're watching, yes. we do, of course, get to see Frank Hathaway, played by Mark Benton, mm-hmm. Luella Shakespeare, played by Joy Joyner, what, what? and Sebastian Brunel, the assistant. I have to. Is... I also have to say about Sebastian that our cat has also decided that Sebastian is his favorite character. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like he he, he, he meows and his tail wags every time Sebastian's on screen. So oh, I hadn't noticed. No, you know, we absolutely we absolutely oh. have a Sebastian. Well, fan. I guess we need to get some podcast images of that, Jacob. <laughs> okay, I had no, I'll have to notice. Okay, so uh, that that character is played by Patrick Walsh McBride, and then we have Di Marlowe played by Amber Aga in this episode, and then we also have the return of Roberta Taylor as costumier Gloria Fontaine. Costumier extraordinaire. So that means that Sebastian's in something cool this time. He's always in something cool. Yeah, very excited about that. And then, of course, uh, creators, Paul Matthew Thompson and Jude Tyndall. And then the uh, episode is directed by Peter or Pitur Sokopiak, which I probably mispronounced. Um, We talked about him when we did the episode Toil and Trouble. Mm -hmm. He also directed that episode, which is season one, episode five. And he's the guy who started MTV Europe and then went on to Sky TV to create this sort of magazine film show or film magazine show called The Movie Show. And then he wrote and directed a film after doing a lot of continuing drama, which we've had a lot of fun with that term. Continuing drama, which Pitour. is also what could be called my years in college. What was it? What years? It was? Continuing, uh, continuing drama. Continuing drama. That is how I describe my years in college. <laughs> yes. Every day. Uh, red drama. blush, orange, bl- orange blush, and and then just little minute storylines pushed ar- pushed along. Pushed along. Are you are you dating? Are you dating? Day. Are you dating her still, or are you broken up? Oh, you're broken up this week. Okay, great. Oh now, no, 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 now no, no you're back together. Now he's right. in the mental institution. Now he has a long lost daughter. Now. He's oh my God! If I had a long lost, da- if I had a long lost daughter in college, there would have been some. Crazy drama around that. Yeah. I think yeah. you'd have a no, what you would have is an identical twin. Yo, like definitely. a doppelganger that would show up out of nowhere. Yeah, I would definitely we would definitely and have to work You'd the identical get like twin. six months out of that. Oh, at least. In, at least. Like a, a month just of the scenes of you looking at each other. Well, the, no, a month astonished. of the scenes of us like missing each other and then like all of our friends bring like, you were just here. Yeah. And you got rid of the, you got rid of the sideburns. Yes. What do you mean sideburns? I've never had, yeah, yeah. No, that's at least a month of us missing each other. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so continuing, yeah, for sure. That might too, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just college. I, I hope period. you wouldn't have sideburns, yes. though. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. You, you would no. not have had sideburns. I, I would not have. Yeah. No. Yeah. 
Yes. So, and this episode is written by Dan Muirden, and he has written for a ton of procedurals. He's written for Miss Scarlet and the Duke, Sister Boniface, Death in Paradise, Majorca Files, The Corner, Doctors. He is a regular writer on all Father Brown and Shakespeare and Hathaway. Yep, all the hits. Uh, he was a playwright for a little bit, and y'all, you can go check out his radio play which oh, yeah. is on YouTube, A Fair to Remember. It is about a, well, here's the logline. When London cabbie Tony picks up a fair, the journey takes him a bit too close to home. So you get it? A fair to remember? Wah, a wah. fair, LOL, LOL. Okay. Anyway, then we have some fun guest stars. And this is, sorry, I... I wanted to, we were talking about resonance with Pericles. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the exciting guest stars in this episode is uh, he plays a character named Martin Mariner. Right. Mariner. Sailor. Yeah, exactly. Pericles. Mm -hmm. Right. On reference. the ship. Yep. So this is an, a for real, honest to goodness, American actor playing oh, okay. an American uncle a quote-unquote long-lost american uncle of frank hathaway wow. so the bbc actually actually cast a, an american actor as opposed to like letting some british actor show off their american yes. accent yes when i so when i saw the log line i was like oh no we're gonna have to sit through 45 minutes of some <laughs> some brit being extraordinarily proud of their american accent exactly but no it's a real American mm. born in Long Island. This guy, okay, he's in his 70s. He's a total, his acting career, it, it just totally reads like a, you know, an, a, a man of his time. Like mm -hmm. it, so he went to college in, uh, it seems like the US, mm -hmm. and he is best known for playing, okay, nerd alert. He is best known for playing Captain Hollister on the BBC TV series Red Dwarf. Okay. And he frequently plays other American characters in another in other British TV shows and movies. He has also had movie roles in Aliens, Batman, Fifth Element, all of which were filmed in England. Okay, but here's the thing. So after leaving school in America, he pursued a stage career, and he had a strong personal preference for comedy and music. And he was in Louis. He was in Shreveport, Louisiana, in 1968, at a local. So 68. So he's he's a product of his time in the late 60s. So he's a hippie, is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. He was playing Bozo the Clown in Shreveport, Louisiana. Okay. And then he moved to San Francisco and was a, a bicycle courier. He moved to moved to San Francisco in 68 or 69 to be a bicycle courier. Yeah, All right. and joined the AAA acting company. I tried to look that up. I don't know. Somebody from San Francisco is going to have to tell me. Like I'm going to have to call my call up my dad and yeah. say, "What the heck is this? Do you remember it?" So, he developed an interest in teachings of this it's not like a cult leader but it sounds kind of a like mystic, it a yeah he's mystic. a mystic who was teaching like mindfulness basically if you read it he's this guy is saying his this guy's name was george goodyeff and uh, he was teaching like how we 
all go through life basically like we're asleep and we just don't realize like <laughs> yes, you're all sheeple you're all asleep people yeah you have to wake up and achieve transcendence Tra- exactly yeah and some people have picked apart his teachings and been like no you don't like say basically <laughs> like he's basically looking wait for wait wait you're trying to say that people in the 70s in san francisco were maybe kind well, of cult this guy leader? was not from san francisco this guy was actually born in uh yeah but he Armenia. was teaching in san francisco no, he he actually. It doesn't seem like he, he traveled in America. But okay, so he, just the teachings in general. Yeah, okay. he had a he had a school in Paris. Oh, anyway, uh, and he raised money in the U.S. But I, it doesn't seem like, at least from his bio, that he actually landed in San Francisco. He might he might have. Anyway, so our our actor that we're following Martin here Ma- in this story, yeah, Martin Mariner. Well, played. Okay, I'm sorry. So this actor's name is Mac McDonald. His birth name was Terrence McDonald, but I guess that wasn't like cool enough for an actor. Mac. So he decided to go with Mac McDonald. So, okay. So he decides not to go work or learn from the mystic. Right. And instead, he decides to go busk in Europe with just a fool's hat and a melodica. This is this is what I love. Like your your life choices are in the 70s. You could have life choices that were. Do I follow the teachings of this like heretical Buddhist mystic or do I go busk in Europe? What should I do? I know I'll take a I'll just take a fool's cap and I'll go busk in Europe. And that's that's a thing. Clearly worked out. Well, it got it gets better, right? Oh, no. Because then in Amsterdam, he met another American and accepted an invitation from them to stay in a commune in Kentish, North London, oh, my Lord. where he stayed for a number of years, taking over eventually a leather working business from another American who was leaving. And he ran that leather goods business at the newly opened Camden Lock Market. And then he hit upon a novel idea. Oh, please. He developed what he called the human jukebox, in which he waited in a silver box until when, prompted by the insertion of a coin and the selection of a song, he opened a window and delivered an unaccompanied rendering of that song. And this was very successful. He had a passable tenor. Passable tenor. Supposedly. And he had. Wait a, a minute, wait a minute. Did his own bio say that he I had a passable think, yeah, tenor? Yeah, he wrote this. Well, for the, sure. Well, I guess, sure, yes, he wrote this. But also in his bio, he says, eh, I'm a passable singer. Like you could have written anything about your tenor, and he chose to write it's passable. I feel like that's just that, that, that's, it's that's, modesty. It's, it's just modesty. modesty. He's sure. an actor who's like just done I'm, all the things. If I was know? a better tenor, I would have been a singer. Right, right. He's just like, I, you know, I'm, I can do it if I need to, if called upon. I, he, I jape, I jape. But let's be honest, I have nothing approaching a passable tenor or baritone or anything else. So <laughs> good job, Mac. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he also, you know, put a lot of character into it. He, apparently it was show busy, a faux sincere personality, sometimes endearing, ironical, and impossibly corny. Apparently that was yeah. all the description yeah. of it. Yeah, he wrote that. <laughs> yeah, and he made his debut on UK t- TV, standing in for Elton John's part with Kiki D in the hit duet "Don't Go Breaking My Heart." I couldn't if I tried. Yeah, and then about this time, he joined another company which did children's theater and traveled all over the UK. Oh my lord! Oh and my lord! He's then. He left that to perf- to join a or to create a three person musical comedy troupe called Cheap Shots, 
And they performed in the, which I didn't know this was happening, but in the 80s, there was a new burgeoning London alternative comedy circuit. And so he was was performing at the comedy store in London alongside a bunch of famous comedians. He busked and made leather goods for like from the 70s into the 80s for 10 years. My Lord. And then he got onto Red Red Dwarf from there. And this led to a bunch of other TV work, and he is still living. He has a partner and two daughters, and he's had, had you know, kind of a He's had a, a career, solid career. A solid yeah, career. Thank solid you. Career. Good word. Solid career doing film and TV. That is fantastic. And yeah. yes, like, <laughs> from Bozo the Clown in Shreveport, Illinois, to busking, to living in a commune in London, to... All right. To Red Dwarf. Can you and like, aliens? You can or alien? No, aliens. He he did the plural. Yeah. And the Batman and Fifth Element. I don't want, I can't remember who he played in Fifth Element. I have Fifth no Element. idea who he played in. Yeah. Uh, then there's also an actress who I guess we find out she dies. Oh. Uh, her character dies, Diana. but she is a British actor of Indigenous American heritage. What's her name? Her name is Diana Bermudez. And she plays Diana Tarish, 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 Tarshish, Tarshish. I'm not how I'm not sure how you pronounce her. That's okay. You, last you, name. you don't get a point because it's a character name. So okay, okay, good. Thanks. <laughs> I'm still pointless. Oh, oh, you, my, <laughs> no, you, no. Uh, no. Thank you, thank you. She is from Colombia originally. Mm-hmm. And she has been drawn to the performing arts for her whole life. She's been doing, you know, from drama club back in high school. Did um, she did she run a leather shop? She did any, not. Any news run... about a commune for her? Oh my goodness, that would be like a whole other thing for a lady <laughs> to run a leather shop. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so she went to a very fancy drama school. Where did she go? She went to the Central School of Speech and Drama, which Lawrence Olivier, Judy Dench, Vanessa Redgrave, Carrie Fisher, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Carrie Fisher, let, let's be honest. Carrie Fisher went there for a hot minute. Like, I think she maybe made it a year. Oh, is that right? Yeah. From her she, story? She... Is that what she said? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then we have this other actor. Oh. I, so he, Todd Van Joel, he plays Phil Lehman. And, I, you know, we haven't seen this episode, so I have no idea who this character is. He is an actor who has credits on Holby City, Silent Witness, EastEnders. He is also an award-winning casting director, a oh. graffiti artist, a licensed kickboxer, a qualified swimming instructor, a city and <laughs> guilds qualified tradesman. This guy, like the special skills on his acting resume. Yes, yeah. He has a a pirate radio station in London. He is a talented MC. He has, which has led for him to a career in voiceover and ADR. He has credits including Google, Xbox, BBC, Nestle, Sony, PlayStation, UEFA Europa League. And he also fronted the Royal Navy's radio recruitment campaign. He played a character named Nathan. I don't know how you know the character Nathan, but apparently you do. And he had this catchphrase, which was born in London, made in the Royal Navy. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing no, it no, no, like, yeah, exactly. No, but I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's lots of uh, ways to take that. But did yeah. they like they scoured to find the most eclectic? Like we yes. just need we need people with the craziest history for this episode. Yeah. We just yeah. need to do it. Well, this guy is also also it does not end there. He is a published creative writer. He's an also an ex felon, 
And so that's what he wrote. Wow. He has this published short story that was used as a research in a movie called Offender, uh, a 2012 film. And so it's not based on, but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. By... So what is his character? I'm sorry, I'm so... What's his name? We don't know what his char- his character's name is. Phil Layman. And what is his name? His name is Todd Van Joel. Todd, I'm really sorry to do this to you, but I'm I'm I might just be guessing you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I yeah, it, it might be kind of classist to say it because I'm wondering if he might have a Cockney accent as well. What, what what is a Cockney accent? Like I've heard the term a Cockney accent, but I couldn't tell you what. Like like Cockney is like the opposite of posh, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. And and there's like Cockney rhyming slang. And, yeah. And it, it, yeah, it's the total opposite of posh. And, a governor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, fair exactly. enough. Okay, lower. Okay, got and it. not our our. By the way, I'm sure that a governor is completely wrong RP. as to what the accent actually is. I'm just saying, like yeah. the opposite of posh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I don't know for sure. He also has a critically acclaimed poem, poetry, and he works and mentors ex-offenders. His aunt is the famous first, considered the first in history supermodel from the 60s, Jean Shrimpton. My, like, again, again, I'm sorry. You've got all these amazing characters over here. You've got a mess of Pericles. I think this is going to be an amazing show. I, I would have to agree. And yeah, I, I mean, and an American showing up in this, like, yeah. what the heck? And related to Frank, I can't, there's a great picture from this episode where mm-hmm. they're like almost nose to nose. And in the background, Sebastian and Luella are just like, ah, they're so like excited. Yes. Like they're going to, you know, Frank is going to like have met We're going family to meet, Yeah, or he's something. going to have family and some of humanity yeah. to him. yeah. And there's some other fun actors in this show. You know, this is some of their first works. And so I think actually my bet is going to be on Lola. But we'll okay. see. I mean, her name is Lola. I mean, they're just setting her up to be for us. Well, they're setting her up for me to guess her as the murderer. But it's not going to be her. Right? Yeah. Well, you know what? We, we should find out. Watched. Yeah. yeah. Let's do Let's that. Let's go watch and we'll come back with some actual guessing. See you soon. All right, Jacob, who do you accuse? Before we get into accusing, before we even get into recounting the plot for what we have here, I just want to say that I don't know if you have been keeping track. I haven't really been keeping track, but this is the first episode in quite some time that we have had to actually watch a little bit of the episode. Oh, my gosh. It was, well... The episode is about 44 minutes long, I 45 mean, minutes, and we watched 11... We had to get 11 minutes in yeah, before there was a crime. There was a lot of time there, but I I think we've watched longer shows oh, that yeah. you've had... The murder doesn't happen until 15 minutes in. Well, even in Murder, She Wrote, we didn't get... We were, like, more than 20 minutes in before there was... Before That's the crime true. actually occurred. Like, I mean, sometimes you just have to set up the mystery, especially yeah. in something like this. You've just got... You've just got to take some time to set up the crime. you got to take the time to do, do the, the crime. crime. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, we we got a good 11 minutes in on this. We got some... We got some good stuff happening. Some, yeah, character development. Yeah. Some eating of breakfast sandwiches. Def- there's uh, more eating. Like, again, like Luella, every scene that she's in, there's practically every scene she's in, there's eating. She had chips. She went to a ca- cafe. She went to a cafe. <laughs> she got chips. She went to a cafe to try and do some undercover work. Like, Frank brought her a breakfast sandwich. Yes, there's 
all the food all the time on this. But let's we're missing the real important question here. Yeah. Why is there a diagram of a bird on Frank's office? Oh, wait. On the door? What yeah. are you talking about? There's like this gigantic poster of a bird that is like it's a swan, I guess, maybe. And it has oh. like all the innards and different organs. I mean, it's not like it's not like medically or anatomy anatomically correct but it's just like it's like what is it's like it's like it's maybe it's like a period piece of what like the insides of it look at that i i don't understand it it. might be a joke of like a season of the rsc or something because that's one of the maybe theaters is the swan maybe that i mean there's some there there is some kind of choice happening around it and i'm finally like i want to know what this is wait am i making that up i could be i could be making that up but yeah there's a choice there well have to look at that closely. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of looking at things closely, there is some good prop work in this yes, episode. That is a great segue, Jacob. Did you know Thank that you, you were going there? Like I that? was I did not, but I will take those <laughs> laurels. Um so the episode starts with uh Frank and Luella coming in and Sebastian being like, You have a visitor. And it turns out to be Martin Mariner, who immediately claims that he's Frank's brother, long lost uncle, not brother, yeah. uncle. He was his dad's yeah. brother. And Frank is, oh my God, Frank is not happy about this in the slightest like frank like frank is a bit of a grump but frank turns violent in this like yeah he's like you've got two seconds to let me go and then he like spins the guy around and like puts his arm up behind his back and it's just it's well he also like accuses him as very soon of being an american i mean he is an american he is an american and it's this this is like bargain basement american this is like this is the, everything about this character is bigger. Like he's got his big backpack. He's got these huge. Like he comes up later on. He's got these huge binoculars, <laughs> binoculars to do some stocking. Compared with Luella's like, like cute little cute opera, little glasses. opera <laughs> glasses. He's got some and like and he's dressed like I mean he's dressed like the costume is just like Costco. That's what you need to look like. You oh, need to look like yes. khakis and Costco and yeah. like browns and white tennis shoes and a baseball hat. That's what makes an American. Yeah, yeah. Which is hard. Like in this first scene, like the actor kept having to cheat his head up to make sure that we could see his eyes because he's got the baseball cap pulled oh, down so low. Oh, you're right. That's what's happening. I so, did think that was weird. Yeah. Like it was like, like he had to get it in there because there was still shade coming down over the baseball hat. Like I was like, yeah. what is going on? Like, no, they had to like, <laughs> what could a Brit do to like immediately telegraph American? It's either baseball hat or cowboy hat. It's those two things. Yes. And they went and for baseball And that happens. Hat. And they went for baseball. They I mean, it's for... reasonable. It's a reasonable choice. I'm not saying a couple episodes back, we joked about how like the American Americans would be the White Walkers or something. So, yes, like yes. They, they are fully bringing out the, like, stereotypical American on this. Yeah. But fr- Frank is having none of it. The prop work that's amazing is that they show, like, photos, like, old-timey photos to establish this. There is a handwritten will, which is amazing. I, like, yeah. I want to believe that a props person actually made this and they didn't just, like – printed out with yeah. some amazing font because like we, yes. we paused it and we stopped it and like the notes on the family tree and it's like 
it's not lorem ipsum. It's like I, the undersigned. Like it's this like cursive handwritten will that happens really? on something. So yeah, beautiful. Well done, props people on this. And yeah. but Frank is having none of it. He kicks Martin is just like I just want to learn and get to know my family. I just want to get to know my family. He also calls in a question the veracity of how Frank's grandmother died. Right. So he's just it really strikes to something very core and Frank is threatened by all this yeah. and he kicks Martin out. And then you immediately cut to a gift shop where Frank and Luella are talking to David and Diana. Tarsich, I think is their name. Yeah. David and Diana uh-huh. Tarsich, who own the shop. They had an employee, Lola, who hurt her ankle and twisted some ligaments when a box of Shakespeare busts fell onto her foot. <laughs> yes. Lovely. And she is, she's not suing them because I'm not sure. Like maybe no, she's, she's just asking for workers' compensation. Yes. And like the paths are expensive and they're like, they want to prove that she's lying. They want to yeah. prove that she's lying. And so they hire Frank and Lou to like surveil her and as they're leaving frank makes a joke although i'm super curious what you even need to sue for in workers compensation because i mean you have free health care in the uk right like you don't need to pay for your health care what are you paying for like the like loss of work i guess would yeah, be the biggest but thing on it that. seems like you also can have benefits for that like yeah. short-term this i mean i, I don't, don't know what they call it there but yeah, okay. I don't know. Anyway. But in any event, she wants money from them. Yeah. Um, and they hire Frank and Lou to surveil her. But on their way out, Frank takes a look at they have these like oval fossil shaped things, which are Jurassic era limestone. Yeah. And they're 1300 pounds. And Frank makes a joke. He's like, oh, I think you put too many knots on that sign there. Um, So he clearly thinks that things are too expensive in the shop. Anyways, yeah. then they go and they surveil uh, they surveil Lola. Luella surveils Lola. Mm-hmm. Um, and they follow her and her boyfriend leave the apartment. Her boyfriend then disappears for a bit, but she goes to a coffee shop. L- like Lola yes. goes to a coffee shop and little cafe sits down and uh, they do the, that was, they have their, there's always a signature moment where the Frank and Luella always kind of lean out from the side of a building. They yes, do that here. There's this cute. nice stone bank looking building. They very lean satisfying. Out, very cute. And then, Luella decides to do some undercover work. She kind of like puts her hair up in this like it. She doesn't cut her hair, but she like does her hair differently for a yeah. bob. Puts on a pink lip, and like and really glasses, pink a lip, really yeah. pink lip, and goes and sits down and like starts you know and a pair of glasses and a pair of glasses. <laughs> yes, starts pressuring Lola for some information. And Lola's story is right down the books. She was at work. Yeah, they never right down like, the line. Right down the line, everything. She's and she's wearing using crutches all the time, so she seemed to be pretty legit. But while she's questioning her, the costumier shows up. Yay! Which is, and they're like, Luella's looking at her like, don't blow my cover. Don't blow my cover. And she's like, can I join you for lunch? And Luella's like, no. No, 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 no. Go away. Because I am not staying. Yes. <laughs> and then she stares her down. And she And then Roberta, oh, I have to go. I forgot I have an appointment with my masseur. Very handsome. <laughs> <laughs> and also very punctual for a Brazilian. <laughs> Yes. Like a bizarre excuse. But yeah, the fact that she finally gets it is hilarious. Yes. So she goes away and then also Lola goes away. So then they're just set to go ahead and like sit in the car and watch Lola and her boyfriend all day. Which, by the way, it was sunny. 
They had yes, a little there thing. was no rain. There was no rain. It was sunny, and they were just eating chips in the car and they, having fun. They had to sit in the car because they were trying to do surveillance and be like low key. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, there was no rain. There was no rain. I was just, oh, look, there's the sun. Yay, it does exist in England. <laughs> and while they're watching, they like Luella notes that David Tarsich just keeps calling and calling and calling and really wants to find this out. And eventually he admits that they don't have insurance. For yeah, they don't he have the workers' fill compensation out the form. insurance. Yeah. So he meant to, but he didn't, so he really can't afford if he if they have to pay her out, it will ruin them. And he hasn't told his wife. And yeah. then they find and then they, they don't find out anything. They cut to a scene of his wife, Diana, counting money for whatever reason. It's just this mm-hmm. quick little snippet where she's counting money in the shop. Mm-hmm. And then they go back to and then the next shot is Luella being woken up by Frank the next morning, who's giving her a breakfast sandwich. And they're like, maybe we can get them to like pop for a surveillance camera because they want to, we can't keep staying awake all night and Mm -hmm. doing all this. And so he goes off to the shop to get them to convince them to buy a camera. And when he's at the shop, he discovers Diana dead on the floor. That's where we stopped. That's where the guessing will begin. Jessica, I've been talking way too much. What do you think? Yeah, so I think that it is the shop owner, David, Mm. who has killed his wife. But he didn't actually kill his wife. I think he paid Lola's boyfriend to kill Diana, like Fargo style. Oh, okay. He paid somebody else to, to go knock her off Why and would he, so okay and i think he wants to get rid of her and her prying eyes because i have pre-cheated oh, there dear. is another woman that we have not met yet oh wait oh, oh wait a minute another so, young woman another young woman that okay so see so i was thinking that i was also thinking that it was david we are we are in agreement that we think it was the male shopkeeper because i thought that maybe david was in a relationship with lola but maybe he's mm. in a relationship with this other woman that Could we haven't be. met yet yeah, and I think he knows this shop is not long for the world because Lola's going to get payment. There's just no way around it. Yeah, and so, so okay, so we both think it's David. Yeah, All but right. for maybe different reasons. Maybe different reasons. Well, no, because, you know, this is the thing. Like, I now, because I, my original guess was, yes, it was David, but he was in a relationship with Lola. But that would mean that Lola was also like two timing on her boyfriend and her boyfriend. Lola, by the way, is also not completely ruled out as a suspect because Lola owes her creditors like 20,000 yes. pounds. So yeah. she is deep in the hole. Yeah. And payday loans. Yes. Payday the loans. Most That's who it is. Expensive yes, type the of highest loan. type, highest interest rates, usury practically. Yeah. So, yeah. So, oh, man. I, and before, I was guessing that it was the ex-con, but I don't think it's the ex-con. The boy, the, I mean, on the other hand, we haven't heard from the boyfriend at all. We don't know that he's an ex-con. Right. We're just wondering because of the all right. I'm changing, what we've I'm, met, what we read about the actor. I'm changing my guess. Okay. I'm okay. changing my guess because we think that it can't be Lola because Shakespeare and Hathaway have been watching her all night and she's been in her yes. apartment yeah. and she like sat down and, and we watched saw TV. her face we saw as her well face. as yeah. her you know, then, herself on their right crutches. she was doing dishes and walking around the crutches but then she sat down on the couch and we only saw the back of her head yeah so I am betting that she somehow pulled some switcheroo on the couch and wow. went out and killed Diana I <gasps> bet it was her she oh. went and killed Diana Okay. And maybe, and I think she's going to turn out to be oh, a little bit of a scamp and try gosh. to pin it on the ex-con. Oh my goodness! That's what I, I'm. I am. I'm changing it up. Okay. I can't. I can't, if if 
Jacob crossing it out. Jessica is crossing out shop owner having affair with Lola. And I am changing it to Lola. Just Lola all the way. Straight down the line. Diana. Yes. I don't know why. I bet it has something to do with like, I bet she brained her with one of those like big stones. Actually, I'm not sure. If, whoever oh. brained her, I will get, I will bet that one of those stones is those the murder weapon. Yeah. yeah. I bet that's like she was smashed in the head. Stone as murder weapon. Is that like being hit with a bunch of amber that, you know, was full of a prehistoric fly? Yes. Yes. But and instead, then, it's a gigantic thing of limestone. It's a gigantic thing of limestone. <laughs> like a monster truck wheel of limestone. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's about as big as an omelet. It's, it's, about, it it's about four or five size? inches. Yeah, I thought it was bigger. Okay. Well, whatever it was, it was big enough to crush somebody's skull. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. Okay. All right. We're in. We're We've in. Locked in. Here yeah? we go. Let's find out how uh, how wrong exactly I am. And me too. <laughs> there we go. It what might be the most American thing ever about us watching this show, Jessica, is that not only did we take a break to go watch the show, we also took a break to watch a little bit of football in there. So yes, we are we are, <laughs> we are watching Shakespeare and Hathaway. But we are also still American. So in that spirit, Jessica, what was bef- – by the way, we both won. But in the spirit I, – I, I thought you were going to lead with that. I thought you were going to say, like, oh, what do we do now? We both won. We both won. <laughs> we were both right. Um, I mean, with our different guesses. Yes. But we were both right. Well, okay. You were more right than I was. Well, so that's maybe. not – okay. So – I will remind you of my guess, and then you can remind everyone of your guess. My guess was that okay. Lola did it, but I thought that Lola did it on her own. But I said that Lola did it, and Lola smashed Diane's head with one of those lime, limestone bricks um, that yeah. Frank joked about. And guess what? That is 100% what happened. But Lola did have – she was in cahoots. And I had said at first that Lola was going to be in cahoots with who we were calling Dave, and we were completely... Is the actor's name Dave? Is that why we were calling him Dave? Oh, His name was um, Leon. The character's Leon, name was yeah. actually Leon. Leon was the husband. Leon is played by Carl Davies. Who, That's why we were uh, calling him was David. on Happy Valley, and he was a Lannister on Game of Thrones for three episodes. He was in The Nevers. He is on The Tower, The Bay which are both crime mystery dramas. Anyway, but yeah, his name is not Dave. I don't know where we came up with The character's name his, was Leon. I don't know where we came up with Dave. The character's name was Leon. But yes, Leon Leon was in cahoots with Lola because neither one of them like they yeah, neither one of them liked Diane. So there you go. And it's not that they didn't like Diane, like Diana. 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 The character's name is Diana. Diana, right. Like Leon was also at the very least a crossdresser, if not some kind of trans. And when Diane found out, she was horribly abusive to him and would like yes. beat him and like burn him with her cigarettes. So that's why he wanted revenge. And Lola wanted revenge because her boyfriend Phil was cheating on her with Diana. But he yes. was like cheating on her with everybody. Yes, but it just so happened that this was what put her over the edge. But in any event, 
Leon and Lola got together and decided that Diana had to go. So Leon dressed up as Lola while Lola, who had been had actually been faking her foot injury, like went out and did the deed and made it look like, like that it was a robbery and that Phil was to blame for it. So that was yeah. all that it. So so yeah, I was right. It was hundred percent Lola did it. Um, but he was also in she was also in cahoots with Leon, which I which is what you said. So we got it right. Yeah. 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 And they got they knew that Phil was going to show up, Phil, the boyfriend. Well, they uh, did. They what, they knew because they texted him and told him. Oh, that's right. To invited show up. him over. Yeah, like, they told. Yeah, yeah. They invited I'm him over to frame 11. him. That's right. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 So he showed up, and then he was like, "Well, there's money here. I'm going to steal it." There's money here. And May as well take it. When she was dead, this was a character God. choice I love. So Phil is a bit of a low life. He yeah. Picks, he picks up the money, which. He picks up the money which has blood on it, which, like, come on. Like, you don't have to be a genius to realize you don't take money with blood yeah. on it. Which oh I also gosh. have a problem with Frank taking money with blood on it. And his long-lost Martin Mariner, American uncle, taking money with blood. Like, folks. Well, I think, but it was I a cozy think... mystery. And so they kind of, it seems like they did, I... didn't even notice because it was inside, like, How the packet. No, and it was just was... sort of like a smudge of blood. It kind of looked like... Somebody, I mean, I, I've seen more blood come out of somebody with a bloody nose, but that's the way, that's about <laughs> as much blood as there was on these banknotes, I think. I, I, that's fine. I mean, maybe they were, maybe they were making it visible for the audience so we could follow along. But all, like, I just feel as if we need to have a PSA, which is like, if there's blood on money, don't take the money. Just don't take I mean, the money. Really, you should not be taking anything from a murder scene. <laughs> well, okay, that might maybe be just the large. <laughs> don't. <laughs> maybe, maybe just leave that alone and maybe call just leave the cops. That alone. Yes. Not only and not hope o- that there's no way that you could possibly get framed because it also <laughs> seems like these police are like, "Yep, you did it," even though there's like no reason. Yes, these police are. These police jumped to so many conclusions in this episode. At first, they don't want to investigate it because they think it's just a robbery. Then, as soon as they have the uncle in, they're like, "Oh, it must be him." And then, as soon as they have like Phil, oh, it must be him. Like they like each time, it's like this is an open shut case. Oh, people, come on! I mean, I I guess I'm happy that Frank and Luke keep Frank and Lou keep getting work, but but I keep I keep getting sidetracked. You keep sidetracking me. One of the things that happens in the scene when Phil comes in and like takes the money, not only does he take the money, I want to know whose choice it was for him to just stick that money down his pants. Oh, <laughs> that was a like great it choice. Doesn't, doesn't go into a pocket, doesn't go into a bag, doesn't like it. Literally, he literally like it goes into his pants and not even just his pants. It might even go into his underpants. Uh, oh, I didn't see that. But yeah, he definitely just stuffed it, it down there. And goes they down d- his took trousers. the moment for him to like, you know, consider like, where do I? Yeah, Where should I put this? Where should I put this? Oh yeah, stuff it down. Stuff it down the pants. Like, but like, you, know, you know, but we know from his conversation with Lou when Luella is, you know, or no, his conversation with Frank, where Frank is right. like keeping his attention so that Lou when they, can when go they, dig around in his taxi for for more money for evidence. or evidence. Yeah, and yeah. 
he keeps his phone in the car, in the like cup holder in the car, which suggests he has no pockets for the cash. Wait a minute. Have we stumbled onto the real mystery here? Is England backwards where women's clothing has all the pockets and men's clothing doesn't have pockets? Is that what's happening here? Mm, I I think we might be onto something. (laughs) Write us in. Men in England, do you have pockets? Let us know if this is something we need to talk about. We're going to find out active wear has no pockets. (laughs) British active wear has no pockets. It would ruin the line of the leg. <laughs> the, li- the line of the leg. And if there's one thing we know about Phil is that he was a clothes horse. No. No, he was no. not a clothes horse. <laughs> but he might have been interested in emphasizing his trouser snake, as you put it the other day. <laughs> I also want to point out, like, well, as long as we're talking about clothes, this is now Jacob talks about clothes on this show. Okay, this isn't exactly about clothes, so never mind. But this is about Americanness. Like I talked about the the baseball hat before, and how he was, in, how he Martin oh, was dressed yeah. all in khaki. So it, in this in this half of the episode, Frank and Martin obviously get closer, and they learn to have affection towards each other, even though it turns out that they're not related. That mystery, we, I suppose we could have guessed on that mystery too, as to whether oh, or not they were yeah, related we and how it was. But in yeah. any event, Martin was not. Frank's uncle, Frank's grandmother had died before Martin had been born. And they proved this at this church. But while they were investigating at the church, they learned that the woman who actually did give birth was the vicar's daughter back in the day at the church. And now she was the church warden. But my whole point with all of this is that like the other very American thing that he does at some point is that when Frank, like when Frank clears Martin, out of all of this, Martin wants to give Frank a hug. He just comes in with this great big hug, and Frank's like, nope, we do yeah. not hug. <laughs> that was hilarious. So, yes, there are so men in England, there is no hugging and there's no pockets. This is what we know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm well, full. guesses. These are our guesses. <laughs> or, willfully obtuse, people. There are sometimes when we are willfully obtuse. Just roll with it. <laughs> Our wild guesses about yes. men in England. I think people do hug. I don't think they're a hugless society. <laughs> England, the hugless society. <laughs> I agree. They, but but yes, the hugging for greeting is very much an American thing. Like I'm going to be I am going to be in the company of some co-workers tomorrow from the United Kingdom. And I am very much going to have to do the whole, like, how are we going to do this? Are we going to shake hands? Are we going to fist bump? Are you okay with the hugging because we're Americans? I don't know. Are you are you okay with the hugging and then just make fun of us later? I don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to say, I am not a big hugger. <laughs> oh? <laughs> I am not. I mean, I'll do it again. If it's culturally the right thing, but it isn't like it doesn't come naturally to me to like sidle up to somebody. Right. I know that's like that's comfortable for you, right? There are there are there are times when it is and when it is not. There are times I'm just like, yeah, you get a fist bump or yeah, you get a you get like the reverse nod. You know, you know, the reverse nod thing where it's just like you just kind of like tilt your head up like, yeah, hey, how's it going? Like there there are people who only get the reverse nod. And what's sometimes the, that's appropriate, the, but what's the original nod? The not the original nod is you just kind of like bend your head forward. The reverse nod is you kind of bend your head back as to be like, "Hey, what's oh. up?" 
That's all this is entirely all this visual what I grew is up with. Fascinating for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is is the reverse nod. I have never I don't know that I've ever experienced the rate the original nod. Well that's the original nod is <laughs> not like how you say hello. Chili. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it isn't? So then okay. It's just it's used at other times. Yeah, like you Look. can agree with people by nodding, but you don't say nodding, hello when you yeah. nod. If you're nodding, oh, okay, you're, thank I mean, you. I, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Like, people nod. I nod. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I will also say, look, looking through my notes here, there was two great Sebastian moments for me in this episode. Oh um, yeah. One, there's a point where they're talking about actors and actresses, and somebody mentions Dame Judi Dench. And oh, Sebastian full on crosses himself like so like a like a Catholic genuflection. It's just like Dame Judy Dench, sign of the cross. Yes, that <laughs> Hall- was so Hallowed beautiful. be her name. Yes, yes. That was beautiful. That was because he was talking to the costumier in her in her store and and she was say, relating how she had run into Lou and re- and Lou was staring at her like you don't know me. Go away! I'm yes, I'm undercover. I'm, I'm having a conversation. She was just flustered, startled, flustered, and startled. And then Sebastian said, "Well, Lou said you handled it like Dame Judy, Dame Judy Dench," and crosses himself. And she's like, "Oh, how nice of you to say so." I I have to say she did handle it very well, but for comedic purposes, I did want a little more actual fluster. Like I yes. did want her to like look up at the other girl, look at I don't know, it's not so American. I just wanted some more of that clowning. Take like the beat, I take just the wanted a beat, double yeah. take. I wanted a double take where she looked at Lola, looked at Lou, then looked at Lola, and then recalibrated and came up with her story. Like that's yes. what I wanted. Oh. Watch that penny drop. Yes. Yes, I wanted the I wanted to watch the penny drop and I didn't see that and so I was a little bummed actually. But it was a fun it's still a really fun moment. Clearly we can't give this too many Christies because we both I mean we both nailed this. Well, we did except that it was even it was kind of even a little more complicated because I I feel like this has a decent amount of Christies because it was Lola and Leon together, and they set, but they set up Phil in order to kill Diana, and or he didn't kill her, but they set him up. And I just, I, I, th- I think that's an extra, like using somebody's, using somebody against themselves. I, I mean, you do whatever you give it, however you feel is necessary. But I'm, I'm All only right. giving this one three Christies. I'm only giving this oh, three. Three. I think I gave you a lot of pre-cheating, though. <laughs> there, have been, there have been times when pre-cheating doesn't help at all. So Well, okay. I, I just told you about the small cast and, I, and, you know, the different, the people with their different backgrounds that kind of. Yes, yes. And we should, we should also say. To think of that, that that actor's background lent itself to him right. playing the, the the boyfriend but so. that was in the intro and i totally was like i was ready to i was ready to get on board with that train but then we watched the opening and i was like nope it's not him 
We were confused about Teresa, though. We were like, oh, yeah, there's another woman in there. Maybe she's going to have something to do with this. But no, that was just that was just Teresa, the M- Martin's the mother. mother. Yeah, yeah. The Martin's Mar- so. mother. I will say there was some, it turned out to have some Shakespearean sort of resonance, resonance to it, right? Because you said the story of Pericles has an angry father and a daughter and an incestuous relationship. And this, this, this was not an incestuous relationship that we know of, that the vicar's daughter. Right. Uh, but it was an illegitimate end, pregnancy. But it was an illegitimate child, and he was, ups- well, it seems like he was kind of upset about it because she was going to still keep it a secret even No, today. no, he definitely wanted to keep it a secret. He even paid. Yeah. He even paid the the clerk, the county clerk, to put in, put in not her Frank's name. grandmother's name to, like, keep yeah. her name out of it. So, yeah. So, no, there was definitely some definitely some shame around some yeah. sexual activity in here. Yes. 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 That's the that's res- the resonance I'm kind of, like, going on. And then also the parent, the the child returning to find their parent. That's yes. actually Shakespearean the re- as well. The family reuniting. Yeah, 100%. Family reunion- 100%. Re- that, reunions. So. That's a big Shakespeare thing. And then the gender changing also very shakespearean you're right very very much with the cross very much with the cross dressing and gender fluidity in shakespeare 100 percent yeah. we which speaking of like not only leon linda we, that is also where sebastian goes and finds all this out at the at the drag bar basically and he he comes in and drag and he looked stunning oh everybody in there did like Everybody. The bartender looked amazing. There was another person in the background that I was like, holy moly. Like, everybody looked just... I mean, they were all, like, in... I mean, they weren't in casual everyday wear. They were in, like, silk prints and, and stuff, but... It was, uh, like, business. Like, gorgeous, it was like business. It was like business. Yeah, yeah. Like, really nice business with, like, beautiful belts and jewelry and, yeah. like, These were ladies looking gorgeous. to look... Powerful and gorgeous, yes. Yeah, yeah. Gorgeous makeup, gorgeous hair. Wow. It was, the whole room was pretty stunning in those shots. He looked pretty fabulous, and we're feeling pretty fabulous about this win this week. So I think we'll close it there. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. And now we want to hear from you. Tell us your guesses, your scores, and your suggestions for what shows we should watch next. Go to our website, cluedunitpodcast.com, or email us at cluedunitpodcast at gmail.com. Or find us on Instagram and Facebook at cluedunitpodcast, or on Twitter at cluedunit. And if you like the podcast, please rate us and review us on Spotify or Apple Podcast to help us get the word out. And maybe you'll hear your review read on the show. Want to be a Clue Dunnett private investigator? Leave us a few bucks at cluedunnettpodcast.com and we'll send you a personalized, official Clue Dunnett private investigator license. Officially approved by the totally fake Podcasting Adjudication Board in their secret headquarters in a mountain outside of Squamish. 
We hope to hear from you soon. Because watching, watching TV is always better with friends. Don't get me wrong. I'm a, I'm totally for nodding. Who's not? And there's there's nobody here who's against nodding. Oh, okay, good. I was nervous for a second I'm, there. I'm not a not nodder. <laughs> that sounds like a warm up we should do now. From now, yeah, <laughs> it absolutely does. I nodded so, at the nodder, nodding. I nodded at the nodder who nattered about the nog. Uh, at on Notting Hill. <laughs> <laughs>